Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 1. It says this, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Upas around his waist. His body was like beryl, and his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words was like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Can someone say, wow, wow. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you so much for your presence in this house this morning. I thank you so much for your goodness that is always with us. Lord, I pray this morning that we would learn and grow, that your words would be heard, that we would hear from you clearly, that it would help us, that it would build us, and it would push us forward into what you have for us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Or I looked to the person next to you and said, get ready to sit at the table. Come on, tell them, get ready to sit at the table. You guys are good, amen. So I want to remind you, we're about to enter a season of fasting. And fasting is one of those things that um, brings great strength spiritually as it breaks your strength down physically. Amen. In order for us to experience all God has for us, we must do what? We must decrease. That's what the Bible says. In order for him to increase in our lives, we must decrease. And one way that we do that, just one way, is we go on a fast. We learned last week that Jesus' own disciples, who he trained, who he poured himself into, could not deliver a young demon-possessed boy because they were not living a lifestyle of prayer and Fasting, And he told them this kind of spirit only comes out through prayer and fasting. And so the message was clear that we should be living a life that fasting is a part of our 
normal routine, normal way of life. It should be something we consider maybe not even just once a year, but maybe we should consider doing something, some sort of fast on a regular basis in order to stay connected to all God has for us. Amen. And so Jesus told them, hey, listen, the reason why y'all can't set this kid free is because you're not fasting. You're not prayed up. You're not fasting regularly. And only this kind can be delivered from prayer and fasting. So I want to quickly recap the different types of fast. First of all, before I continue, if you're new here, thank you. Welcome to Pursuit City Church. It's so good to have you. Those of you who are here all the time, give them a hand. We thank you for joining us. Amen. If you don't know who I am, my name is Matt Gomez, and I have the privilege of being married to the wonderful woman in the back running the slides. She's the real hero around here. And the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl, just saying, okay? So go LSU Tigers, all four of them that are on the Bengals this year. NFLSU, baby, NFLSU. Go Cowboys. Got to run that in there. Recap real quick, different kinds of fast. There's the complete fast, which is probably the most challenging for most people, which is just the drinking liquids, just water, just juices. It's pretty tough to do for three weeks. Then there's the selective fast, which uh, basically is kind of like what we just read, the Daniel fast, where he only ate fruits and vegetables, um, didn't eat any meat, anything sweet. He didn't drink any wine, that sort of thing. Uh, then there's the partial fast. This is sometimes called the Jewish fast. This is when you don't eat throughout the day and you just eat at dinner only. And you basically don't eat, you know, for most. You just skip two meals out of that day. That's the partial fast. And then there's the soul fast, which I would highly recommend, especially if you're new to fasting. Uh, this is basically where you cut out social media. You cut out entertainment. You cut out TV, your Netflix series, you know, everything you watch that you binge watch over and over and over, or you just, you know, you got to finish it, whatever the case may be. You cut that out, so all of a sudden, all the other voices are gone, right? What you find out is God is always speaking, right? That's what you find out. And so we talked all about that last week. I don't want to spend too much time. This week, I want to talk about the seven steps that you can take in order to make sure that your fast is successful. And I'm going to try and do these pretty quick, and then I want to get into the meat and potatoes of what we just read. Y'all ready? Okay. Step one, you got to set your objective. You got to know why you're fasting. Again, you can follow along if you text the word sermons to 94,000. All this is in those notes. You got to know why you're fasting. If you're Fasting for spiritual renewal, for guidance, for healing. Maybe you need resolution to problems. Uh, maybe you are dealing with a difficult situation in your life. You need guidance. You need God to speak to you. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to clarify why you are fasting and set that objective. Amen. Number two, you need to make that commitment. As you pray about the kind of fast you're going to undertake, remember Jesus implied that all of his followers should fast. It wasn't a matter of, you know, if, but that they would. They should all the time. It wasn't a question. It was a lifestyle. He said it. It was just something you're supposed to do, right? Because it helps you. It grows you. It builds you. So make the commitment to live that life. 
Number three, you got to prepare yourself spiritually. The very foundation of fasting and praying is repentance. And this is the really crucial point here. If you go through this fast and you never say, then you missed it. Where have I failed? Or where have I missed it? Then you missed it. Because one of the purposes of the fast is for you to come to the Lord with a repentive heart and say, Lord, forgive me. Is there anything in my heart that doesn't belong? Unconfessed sin will hinder your prayers. That's scriptural. So here's some ways that you can prepare your heart. You ask God to help you make a list, a comprehensive list of the things you struggle with. And you got to be honest. Got to share that with the Lord and talk to him about it. Then every day you confess your sin to the Holy Spirit and you call, and as he calls to remembrance and accept God's forgiveness. That's the other key part. You got to accept the forgiveness. You got to understand that if he said he'll forgive you, he will forgive you. If you're asking for forgiveness, then receive that. Accept it. Understand that it is there for you. All it takes is the right heart. So when you seek forgiveness from all who have offended you, this is another big thing. Maybe it's not so much what you've done. Maybe you've been offended. Maybe there's some things that have been done to you and you feel offended. That can also hinder your prayers. So you need to forgive those people. That's scriptural. And you can look at those up, those uh, verses up. You have to learn to forgive if you're also asking for forgiveness, right? There's no way, and God said it very clearly, how can he forgive you if you are unforgiving? You first have to forgive others as he forgives you. And then one of the last parts there is make restitution as the Holy Spirit leads you. If you have been dealing with an offense, if you have been dealing with someone who has wronged you and you're finally about to deal with that and you make restitution, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you because those conversations are really important. They really are. You have to be open. You have to be honest. But you have to do it through the Holy Spirit because if you do it in your flesh, you're going to say all kinds of stuff that you shouldn't be saying, right? But if you come with guidance and wisdom from the Holy Spirit, those conversations can have actual change take place. And for some of us, we don't practice this enough. We get offended and we just tuck it in the back of our mind to never get around that person again and we never deal with it. And then the next time somebody treats us similarly, we just brush them off. We don't deal with it. But that's not what God says to do, right? He says, to, no, you have to go talk to your brother. You have to go talk to your sister. You have to go deal with that. You have to, you know, share your heart with them. And if they won't listen to you, fine, but at least you've forgiven them and you've shared your heart with them. You have to make peace with that. That's one way to prepare for the fast, to understand that during this time, if you're praying and you're still harboring an offense, nothing's going to happen. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Thank you. Step four, prepare yourself physically. Well, I'm in top physical shape, so 
I'm good on this one. <laughs> Thank you. Physical preparation. This does make a drastic change, especially if you're doing something that involves eating. Uh, it makes it a little easier so you can turn your full attention to the Lord in prayer. Number one, don't rush it. You need to start preparing like after the Super Bowl, right? That's why we did it strategically, okay? <laughs> we didn't like start the fast tomorrow because you got to prepare yourself. You got to physically prepare yourself. You can't go from tonight's game stuffing yourself and then go to fast tomorrow. You will hurt yourself. Trust me, I've done it. Not a good idea. So don't rush into it. You actually want to eat smaller meals as you progress into the fast. Just kind of start, you know, making a little bit smaller portions because once you get into that mode, it is a huge, drastic effect to you physically. So you have to prepare yourself physically if you're going to be doing a, a food fast. Number five, this is important. Put yourself on a schedule. Whatever fast you're doing, to be with the Lord every day. You have to make that schedule. You have to make that the priority. If you're not making that the priority, everything else you're doing is going to be done in vain. It's just going to be a diet. You're going to be torturing yourself for no reason because you're not spending time with the creator. Right? The one that's going to get you through it, that's the one you need to be spending time with. He's going to get you through it. He's your helper. He's your guide. He's your shepherd. You have to make time to be alone with the Lord so you can hear his voice, so he can lead you. And the more time you spend with him, the more meaningful your fast will be. I promise you, if you make that one adjustment, just that one thing, the priority over everything, it doesn't even matter if you mess up the fast. As long as you're spending time with the Lord, you will have impact, change, going on in your life. Number six, you can end your fast gradually. Once the time is up, a lot of people like to go and just hit the water burger. Bad idea. <laughs> we were talking about that at the pre-service huddle. Just have a potluck, that last prayer night, right? No, oh, probably not a good idea. Because what ends up happening is it overwhelms your body, right? So you want to gradually return to eating if you're doing a food fast or if you're doing a soul fast, gradually consider how or if you should return to normal use of social media entertainment. For some of you, maybe it's a good time to just completely unplug from social media altogether. For some of you, that might be your addiction. It might be something that you struggle with that you can't let go of. Maybe God speaks to you during that time to just... Get rid of it. I mean, it's really one of those things we don't really need, but we think we need, you know, because someone told us we need it long ago. I remember being in high school and going, man, what is this contraption? And it was a cell phone. <laughs> and it just, after getting and there wasn't a screen. And I remember somebody telling me when I was in high school, after getting this thing, they said, well, one day you're going to be able to watch movies on one of those. And I said, yeah, right. That's crazy. Now our kids don't even know what that's like. They just think everything is that way. Everything's a screen. Everything has the access to the internet. Everything is so easy. And what we don't realize is we've been conditioned to think that that is just a normal way of life. When just 50 years ago, you had to actually know directions. 
You actually had to learn how to read a map. Oh, come on. So I'm preaching to somebody this morning. Oh, my goodness. Man, I remember we went to vacation in the Smoky Mountains. Anybody ever been to Tennessee Smoky Mountains? Wow. Incredible. You know what the best part about it was? As soon as we got into the Smoky Mountain National Park, cell phone service, done. It was gone. Nobody could call me. I could not call anybody. We couldn't even get music onto the Bluetooth. It was quiet. I had to go, there's the sun. <laughs> there's that north mountain over there. Okay, we're heading this way. We're going east. <laughs> I had to learn. Oh, yeah. I remember how to read a map. I had to pull out some maps and go, we're right here. We need to be over there. But okay. I had to tap into what I learned long ago. And I was like, wow, this feels good. There's something about disconnecting that just feels right. It's normal because that's how God created us. He did not create us to be entertained by a piece of plastic in our pocket. He created us to be amazed by what he created. And it's beautiful when you disconnect. So I want to challenge you, those of you who are going to be doing a soul fast, if you return to social media, maybe have some purpose to it instead of just keeping up. Maybe have some reason for being on that platform, sharing the gospel. Amen? Last step. Expect results. This is a big one. You have to expect change. You have to expect results. You have to expect that something is going to give. If you sincerely humble yourself before the Lord, if you repent and if you pray and seek God's face, if you consistently meditate on his word, you will experience a heightened awareness of his presence. And ultimately, that's what we all should want. The true measure of results is that you change. As much as we all want our situations to change or that other person to change or you know, this over here to change, the true measure of a successful fast is that you change. And ultimately, that's what I'm looking for. Because I know everything else is in God's hands anyways. But if he can change me in the process, that's what I'm after. That's what I'm longing for. Because I want that heightened awareness of his presence at all times. I want to... You know, be outside and just know that he's with me. I can sense him, feel him, hear him, right? I've been working on a house, an old house we just bought that we're going to move to soon. And a lot of times I'm out there by myself and it's really quiet. It's really quiet in Bishop, Texas. And uh, the other day I just remember eating my lunch like a little kid at the picnic table. And I just, you know, normally what I would do is I'd put on the news or ESPN or whatever. I put my phone there and I'm watching while I'm eating. And I decided to not. I just decided to just sit. And I ate and I just sat there for a little while. And it's amazing how much God will speak to you and how quick he'll speak to you when there's no distractions. 
It's amazing. So I want to challenge you as we enter into the season. Expect results for the things you're praying about, but ultimately expect that you change. The Lord will give you fresh and new spiritual insights. Your confidence and your faith in God will be strengthened. You will feel mentally, spiritually, and physically refreshed. And you will see answers to your prayers. Thursday at our prayer night, we uh, have been talking right behind me on this wall. We're going to put up something where you can put your prayers into. You'll be able to write it on a sheet of paper and just stick it in there. And every person that has any sort of prayer can come and put that up here on this wall. And then next Sunday as well, we're going to pray and invite you up to put your prayers on the wall. And every day that we're praying as a church, I want you to pray for what's on that wall. Many of us will never know what is on, the, on this wall, what the request may be, but we're all going to be praying for it. Amen. As a church, as a family, we're all going to be praying for what is on people's hearts. And many of you might fill up a page. Many of you might just put one word, one name, whatever the case is. We're going to pray for it all, and it's going to be meaningful, and we're going to expect results. So, obviously... Today is a big day. Today is the Super Bowl. If you know me at all, you know I love sports. You know I love football. And I was thinking about this in relation to the fast. I was like, how does this at all tie in to the fast? And it's pretty interesting. It really is. I started thinking about this um, throughout the past week and a half or so. And I started realizing something. I started realizing there is a formula to make it to the Super Bowl. I know the formula because I'm a pro. But I want to say this first. Men sacrifice to gain so much. We do, don't we? We will sacrifice to gain things. We will sacrifice to gain money, we will sacrifice to gain reputation, we will sacrifice to maintain our bodies, no maintenance here required, perfectly assembled, perfectly assembled, taco a day keeps a doctor away, I said that, got an amen in the corner, that's what I'm talking about, my brother, perfectly assembled. Men make sacrifices to gain so many things. We will sacrifice. I remember growing up. Anybody know the cowboy breakfast in San Antonio? Some of y'all know that? Oh, my goodness, man. These people were crazy. I didn't understand it. But you had to be there at 4 a.m. if you wanted food. It was free for some people. I don't know how we always got free food, but I always got free food, you know. You had to get there at 4 a.m., the cowboy breakfast in San Antonio. People would sacrifice their sleep to go get that food, and it wasn't even that good. 
Anybody ever been to Barbacoa Festival? The Barbacoa and Big Red Festival? Oh my goodness, talk about the lines. I mean, sacrifice your feet, your time, your energy just to go get Barbacoa and Big Red and go get that right now. Let's go. Go to the corner store. Yeah, go to Stripes. It's there. I mean, we sacrifice for all sorts of things. People will sacrifice years and years in school, rack up mountains of debt so they can go get a job that barely pays for their school. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we sacrifice for so much, don't we? That career, that car, everything that we want in life, we will make the sacrifice. So how do you make it to the Super Bowl? First of all, you got to know that it's daunting to get there. <laughs> Not many players ever reach the Super Bowl. It's painful, right? You got to go through a lot of pain. If you play football long enough, you get hurt. That's just the fact of it. That's just how it is. It's painful. It's scary. You ever had a guy run at you full speed that's twice your size? Been there, done that, been knocked out. Yeah, it's scary. It requires dis discipline. A lot of discipline. It requires focus. It requires intention. It requires perseverance. But here's what it doesn't require to get to the Super Bowl. It doesn't require skill. What? I don't know. It doesn't require skill to get to the Super Bowl. You see, every player in the NFL already has that. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the NFL. So just because you have skill doesn't mean you're getting to the Super Bowl. It's the one who has perseverance. It's the one who has focus. It's the one who has discipline. It's the one who faces fear and keeps going. It's the one who embraces the pain. It's the one who looks at the task that is daunting and keeps pushing forward anyways. It doesn't require skill. It requires the, the right mindset. See, what separates all the time the winners and the losers is the one that really have the will to win. Right? Everybody in the NFL has skill. I played with a guy in high school. This dude was 6'4", built like a tank. Strong, brother. I mean, he was fast. Nobody could stop him. We won the state championship because he just ran over people. I mean, that was just a flat fact. He just ran over people. They could not stop him. I said, this dude's going to the NFL for sure. Guess what? When he got to the NFL, he found out how common he was. He found out how common he was. Because even though he was a monster, he was a beast, he was a physical specimen, he was fast, he was strong, so was every other person in the NFL. And unfortunately, they had more skill, more ability, and more strength than him. I was shocked. He signed a contract with the Texans. He was gone in 10 days. You know why? Because it's not just about skill. It's here. They had to have the right mindset. And the guys that have the right mindset win. Men are willing to do all of this. And we come together every year, don't we? To praise them for their accomplishments. Look, man, they got to the Super Bowl. It's the biggest game in all of sports. Any one of us would just be like, yes, please, I would like to play in the Super Bowl. I don't care if I get run over. Let me just get on the field, right? We just, that's why you see people running on the field. They just want to get on the field. Like crazy. 
But try telling people you're going on a fast and you're going to pray so you can learn how to raise your kids right. Try telling them you're going to go serve the poor and bless someone else. Try telling them you're giving your finances to the church that you're tithing. Try telling them that you're praying that they turn to God. See, when you start saying stuff like that, oh, no, no, no. that's make-believe. That's not true. That's just, you know, fanatical stuff. You guys are fanatics. I had someone tell me one time that I'm an extremist. You got that right. I don't know any other way to be. I don't know any other way to be. Imagine being in the NFL and you're not extreme about winning. You're not going to be there very long. You're just not going to be there very long. Imagine trying to live for God in this day and age and not be fanatical about it. It's not going to last. You won't hang. There's too much coming against us in this day and age. Too much junk coming against our kids in this day and age. There's too much coming against our teenagers in this day and age. There's too much junk on this phone in this day and age to not be extreme and fanatical about what we believe and in the God that we serve. There's too much to just simply say, oh, it's okay, brother, just praying for you. No, 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 let me tell you something. I'm praying that your whole life gets messed up. I'm praying that God wakes you up in the middle of the night. I tell people that all the time. I pray God wakes you up in the middle of the night, brother. Because that's what he did to me. I pray that he speaks to you so much, you start thinking you're hearing voices, and you finally turn to God, and then you realize it's the Holy Spirit. That's what I pray for. And I tell people that, and they're like, I said, why don't you come to church and visit us? It's nice. <laughs> See, try telling people stuff like that. They'll think you're crazy. You have to live your life every day. Every day. You have to live your life with the intention to serve God. You have to do that to the day you die. And I pray that during this fast, we learn how to do that together. Because if you don't do that, you don't win. Guess what? Doing that, it's daunting. It's painful. It's scary. It requires discipline. It requires focus. It requires intention. It requires perseverance. But it doesn't require skill. The same measure to win in this wonderful world of sports is the same measure that it requires to win in the wonderful world of the spirit that we live in. Doesn't require skill. It requires the right mindset. It requires the right intention. You know why it doesn't require skill? You know why it just simply requires the right mindset? It's because if you understand who you're worshiping, it's easier. See, there's, there's a thing 
that winners understand. I'm going to share this, okay? I'm not being conceited. I promise some of you in here are going to be like, yeah, man, you're just bragging. I understand. I can already feel it coming, okay? Just promise you. I've won three championships in my life on the field. I don't claim to be the reason why. Trust me, I wasn't. There was some players around me that were just flat out amazing. But I've won one in soccer, won one in basketball, won one in football. Three different sports. And on those teams, I understood what it took. You had to beat the other team, not just physically. You had to beat them mentally. You had to get in their head. You had to push them around here, not just here. You had to learn to win here first. And when you win here first, you've already won. And there's something about winning a championship that the next time you step on the field, there's a confidence. It's not an arrogance. There's a confidence. There's a pride. There's a strength. There's a measure of going, hmm, try me. Right? That's, that's how you feel. Well, guess what? I've seen God do miracles. I've seen God change people's life. I've seen God heal people physically in front of me before. I've seen teenagers come to know Jesus. I've seen babies get healed. So when I see that stuff happening and there's another request coming our way, I don't go, oh, no. Another prayer request. What? Are you kidding me? I'm itching for the next one. Because I know who our God is and I know he's worthy of our worship, right? When you go to play for a championship, I remember I was a freshman in high school. I was scared. I'm not going to lie. I was scared. I don't know why fear is such a big deal when you're trying to do something. I was scared out of my mind. I was a freshman in high school. I was the backup point guard. And then the, the guy in front of me gets hurt. I said, okay, it's the championship. This is kind of a problem, right? And so now I have to get up there and get on, get on the court and run the offense and do everything that guy did. There was no way I was going to do everything that guy did. That guy was way taller than me, way faster than me. In fact, they called him Boyo because he was so fast. He was like a chicken. Boyo! He's just so fast. I'm not making that up. That's just the truth. But I remember the feeling of fear, right? That fear that comes upon you when you got to step up. But you know what drove me? They had the trophy sitting over on the sideline. I said, that's what we're playing for. And every time I would go play for a championship, they'd always have the trophy in the area so you can see it. Because that's what you're playing for. You know what that's called? That's called worship. You find something that's valuable, that's worthy of your time, your attention, your focus, and your energy, and you go after it. That's called worship, people. Right? That is called work. You know, one of the first things I learned when we were in music school this church music was this idea of worship. The reason we worship God is because he's worthy of our praise. It's called worship. Whatever you deem worthy of your attention, you are worshiping because you've put worship on that thing. 
And for many in the sports world, the trophy is the objective. The trophy is the idol. The trophy is the objective of worship. Translate that into what we're about to step into. All the prayers you're about to write down, all the things you're about to believe for, he is the object of our affection. He is the object of everything that we're pointing towards, not the result, right? Not the result. See, that's where sports fails us. That's why next year we're always going do better because last year wasn't good enough. That's where sports fails us. We have to understand that the result is not the objective. He is the objective. And that's what this world can't give us. The results are always in God's hands. In fact, he tells it, and Jesus said it in a parable. He said, it is up to the man to till the ground and sow the seed and water it. But it is up to the Lord to bring the increase. The only one that can bring the increase is God himself. It is not your job to bring the result. That is his job. It is your job to worship God. He is the object of our worship. He is the object of our worship because he is worthy. You might be after results and I am too. But more than that, I'm after God himself. He's worthy of your sacrifice. He's worthy of your praise. So when I say we're going on a fast, it shouldn't be how little can I do and still be involved? No, 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 no. It should be rather this. God, what do you want me to do? Because it's not about measuring up to anybody else. And it's not about doing as little as possible to still be involved. It's about doing what God says to do. You have to connect with him and find out what do you want me to do. That's how you build tables in the desert. That's how you win. You see, it's very simple. When Moses went on his fast, it was by and large by accident. It wasn't planned. He's up on the mountain with God. No food, no water. He's encountering God for 40 days. He comes off the mountain and his whole body is glowing. So much so that they had to cover him. And even then, his glow got on other people. You see, he spent time with the Lord in such a way that it changed his physical appearance. He was on Mount Sinai. He was in the middle of a desert. You find Elijah. He's on a fast. Guess where? Middle of a desert. You find Daniel, the one we just read about. He's in Persia, which is by all means a desert. Then you find Jesus. He gets crowned and baptized in the same moment. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Everybody hears it. The audible voice of God. Everybody's 
just astonished. They see the Holy Spirit descending on him. It's just insane. And then he goes off by himself into the wilderness, into a desert to fast and pray for 40 days to be tempted by the enemy. But every single one of those guys were eating. They weren't eating of spiritual, physical food. They were eating of that spiritual food because they were spending time with their creator. They had their own table in the middle of a desert. I pray as we step into this challenging time that we all understand that we can have a table too. We can have a table too. Worship team, young come. Whatever you're praying for, whatever you're believing for, maybe this is the first time you're hearing about our fast, I challenge you, every person in this room, every person watching, this is an opportunity for change to take place in your life. This is an opportunity for change to take place in your family. This is an opportunity for not just the results, but the result giver to get closer, right? To draw near. The Bible is very clear. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. It is a promise. It is a truth. It is something that is clearly marked in scripture for us. Let's stand. As much as I've shared with you before, I'm not really, I don't like fasting in and of itself. I don't like the whole not eating thing, you know. I like to eat. But I love what God does during a fast. I love it. I love the stories that come out of it. Whenever y'all are ready, guys. I love hearing the testimonies And I love more than anything hearing God's voice more. And it is such an important aspect of our Christian walk to hear the voice of God. If you learn anything, learn to hear the voice of God for yourself. Learn to let him speak to you. Because here's what, you know, I find it so interesting in, in my study is, man, Abraham, it boggles my mind. Abraham, who heard the audible voice of God, left everything. He heard God tell him to get up and go to a place I will show you. He said, where? He says, you'll know when you get there. He said, just go. He didn't have... No map, no directions, no plan, no guidelines. All he had was this voice. And what's even more interesting is it doesn't even say that prior to this encounter that he even knew the Lord. 
For all we know, this guy was a complete nobody that didn't even have any reference to most likely Abraham worshipped the moon. He was not really what you'd call a God follower. But yet he hears the voice and he responds, he moves, he goes. Most important aspect of this, there was no Bible yet. There was no Bible. There was no uh, first five books of the Bible like most of the Jewish people had after this. They didn't have that yet. It hadn't been written, hadn't been penned yet. They had recorded stories, but he did not have anything like that in his possession. There was nothing for him to reference. There was nothing for him to read or learn. His education came by way of speaking to God. Go, go back even further. The very oldest book that we know of is the book of Job. The book of Job is incredible. Go read it. It's just an amazing book. My son right now is drawing the big dinosaur Leviathan. It's awesome. Fire-breathing dragon. Rah. You read the book of Job and you find out that Job is an incredibly spiritual person. He's an incredibly in-tune person. He is uh, uh, very concerned with making sacrifices for his children. He's worships. He gets up early, worships God every day. Job had no Bible either. But he had a relationship with God. Yet here we are. We have access to the greatest book of all time. We have access to the book that outsells every other book of all history. And we have access to this to learn how to hear God's voice. And we don't open it enough. We don't read enough. So my challenge to you during this fast is to learn to hear God's voice. One of the easiest ways to learn to hear God's voice is to read his word because he's already spoken so much. And when you learn how he speaks, you learn how he thinks, you'll begin to hear his voice on your own. You'll begin to encounter that just naturally because you'll see it, you'll recognize it and you go, oh, I remember how he spoke. I remember what he did. That's my challenge to you. I pray as we go about our week this week that we do so with intention. Ask God what he wants of you. Ask God what he wants you to fast, how, how you should approach it. Amen. Can I get a praise God this morning? Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.